Hello and welcome to this new and we hope improved APW podcast, your partners in property and advisors on the process of buying property in the UK. The podcast series will focus on UK property in all its many complexities and today I'm joined by APW property experts Stuart and Callum Williamson. APW connects expats from all over the world with UK properties and has helped over 2,000 people secure £186 million worth of property. So hello Stuart. Hello Paul, good day. And hello Callum. Hi Paul. Uh, I'm Paul Shearer. I've been involved in property professionally as a writer and journalist and personally as an owner and restorer of several UK properties. I'll be firing the questions at the dynamic duo here. And today we're going to be having a monthly mosey round the market. And we're looking at March and what happened and what does it mean. So Stuart, uh, you do your weekly market wraps for APW. What happened in March? Obviously, we had the Black Swan event, which was the conflict in the Ukraine, which has had a knock-on effect as far as cost of living uh, going up in the UK. Basically, you've got inflation coming up to nearly 10%. So that leads to all logistical issues as far as supply and demand. That leads to a problem with the, the UK's Bank of England. The Monetary Policy Committee can't make clear decisions on what it wants to do. And then finally, the spring budget at the end of it all has added more of a burden to the taxpayer and to the national insurance payer. Yeah, I mean, Ukraine's a terrible thing to watch and is is going to continue to send shockwaves around the world. But what do you think it means in market terms, in the longer term? And obviously, it's uncertainty until it's resolved. Well, from the reports we're, we're getting, if we take Bloomberg, for example, they are pricing into the market that traders are saying that interest rates won't go up beyond the end of 2023. In fact, they'll start falling. And the reason that is, is that the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England can't continue to put interest rates up and up and up with the fear of stalling the UK economy. If you're looking at a greater background of the global economy stalling because of the logistical issues and because of the freezes that are going on, the embargoes on the back of the Ukraine issues. Okay, and what? Uh, yes, yeah, so there was the interest rate rise in March. Was that a shock to you? It was not a shock. It was surprising. It wasn't more to go by twenty-five basis points from 0.5 up to 0.75. Uh, it's been priced into the markets for a while, and if anything, it hasn't affected the lending out there. There are still just as many rates, mortgage rates on the same deals. The only people who've been affected are the first-time borrowers who are paying more and more because they're getting forced out of the market because they are the riskiest lenders. You know, in terms of the property market, I mean, it all sort of depends really on the sort of tenancy that uh, renters and landlords have set up. You know, if you've got a, a tenancy agreement where you're paying you're paying your rent and it covers the, the bills and everything as well, you know, if your bills, your expenses are rising as a landlord, it's going to eat into your profits. So it's it's something you need to think about and you need to sort of, perhaps have a discussion with your tenants ahead of that and see how you're going to manage it or perhaps look at putting up rents. I mean, if you look at the rental market in the UK at the moment, rents are rising pretty substantially as well. You know, we're on a 7.5% rise year on year for rents across the UK. So I think, you know, even though costs are going up, rents rents are rising as well. So a little bit of that's going to be, um, the impact is going to be softened a little bit, a little bit I would say. Yes, of course, as a landlord, the, that awareness of what's happening to the tenants, they, some of them, if they're going to be driving to work, that's an increase in the petrol costs. 
the energy costs, it depends, as you say, on the agreement as to whether the bills are included or whether the tenants are having to pay. Uh, and then the general cost of living inflation rise is going to impact their food bills and the decisions they have to make. So the pressure on tenants is going to be is going to be huge. Yeah. And, and again, that's something as a landlord you need to consider and think about, right? You know, you, you need to look ahead and say, well, OK, if my tenants costs are rising, do they have as much money as they had before? The answer is no. Are they going to be able to keep paying their rent on time? You know, being one of their biggest expenses, probably. So it's a question you need to ask yourself, and then put some contingencies or some plans in place, and and say, well, okay, you know, what can we do about it, and what's the best way around it? So, um, yeah, certainly it's it's a a pretty a pretty big issue at the moment. I would say, or, or certainly needs some thought. And the rising cost of heating is obviously going to be a big impact. Uh, there was an offer in the budget statement about that, wasn't there? Yeah, that's right. So there is a incentive from from the government to cut the VAT on sort of green spending or making your home more renewable to, to zero. You know, how much of an impact is that going to have? I don't really know. You know, how many people are, are going to go and spend a lot of money on putting sort of clean energy into their houses when they're already short of money, even when there is a, a saving there. I think on average, the saving was would work out about £300 a year once it averaged out. So, I mean, Yes, it's a saving, but how significant is it going to be and, and what impact is it going to have? You know, I'm not sure. But I would say as well, perhaps on the flip side, you know, if you are looking to improve your EPC rating, you know, then perhaps that incentive, you know, makes it a good time to do it now as opposed to waiting. So, you know, you may get some people that are that way inclined that, that will uh, take advantage of it. But I think by and large, you know, you're right. I don't really see, see how big of an impact it's going to make. So just pick, picking up on that, the EPC is the Energy Performance Certificate and it has ratings from A to G, is it, or F? I can't remember. C is obviously going to be a statutory requirement for new tenancies from 2025 and then for all tenancies from 2028. And there is an enormous amount of stock that is nowhere near that. Yes, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, there is virtually no way that we can get all the existing stock up to grade C by 2025 or even 2028. Um, I'm, I mean, I telephoned my local uh, gent who does the analysis of the houses to see what needs to be done and asked him what I what he thought I should do with my house in, in Wales. And he said there's no point doing anything because by the time the changes were done, and there, there was a list of what was actually required, an election would have come along and potentially changed the whole list. So whatever I get done now will not be appropriate in five years' time. So he said best thing is to do nothing, which is great from a, coming from a, a government official who's actually employed to make changes of the EPC certification. It's certainly something to consider if you're considering a purchase is what is the EPC rating and uh, what are you going to do to meet those statutory requirements. Uh, but going back to house prices, Stuart, what other regional variations were there and what what variations in the kind of property was outperforming others? OK, house prices across the UK are u- uniformly going up. I mean, on average, I think it's about 14% across all different market sectors. The largest growth has been in, in Wales, where it's 14.5 on average, with Blynau Gwent and Murphy Tidville up by 22 and 23% specifically, uh, and then Newham in London uh, down by 4%. So there is a great va- variation in what's going on. It's basically four-bed houses that are 
benefiting the most. They're up by uh, more than 10% more than your average, so 25% on average. And then also the houses above £1 million because the whole thing has been driven, if you think about it, by the wealthier people who've got most equity to play with. And it's the first-time buyers that are going to suffer and that are suffering because, A, they can't get loans. If you try and get a loan below £100,000 at the moment, you pay at least a 1% extra premium on that. And then secondly, if rents are going up by the amount they are, it makes it much harder for people to save and pay their rent at the same time so they can't get onto the ladder. So those are the two sort of dichotomies. One is wealthier people are getting wealthier, and the other is poorer people can't get onto the ladder. And that is an effect of inflation and the war in Ukraine. As far as where you know we're seeing house prices move outside of cities, but then people have got the COVID effect, which is really that you can go and live in Tenby, or you can go and live in Landudno or Exeter, and you can commute one day a week from there into town. And again, this goes back to the the richer and the poorer people. You know, your average poor person who's just trying to get onto the ladder isn't going to be able to go and do that. Whereas someone can commute once a week in from Cardiff or in from Derby into London. So again, it's re- reiterating and reinforcing this two-track economy that we're developing, which is goes back to the whole problem of, you know, in the 70s, we had 33% of all housing stock was government stock. It was housing, like council houses and the like. Now it's only 9%. So they're forced into the private market, which is making it unfair. Yeah, and I think they're calling that the the halo effect is the term they're giving, uh, is the name they're giving that sort of effect where people are actually, you know, living in a halo around bigger cities now because you've got the space and that's where your three and your four beds are, which are the ones that are, I think it was 2.8% or 3.8% even for, for last month alone in four bed houses. So you can see that halo effect, but as Stuart says, you know, it is, is reversing now, I think. So we're going to start seeing perhaps some more growth in city centers as that reverses in the strong cities like Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, those sorts of places. Yeah, clearly we've had this race for space and and, uh, families making choices to be uh, outside cities, but uh, they may get a shock when they see the the heating bills and the extra commuting costs that are going to come if their work is not near where they live and if work from home starts to diminish. Absolutely, I agree with that. I mean, prices of petrol went up on Monday by 12 pence a litre. That's a huge rise. That's massive, yeah. And I'd say, I think just going back to house prices, another question we're getting quite a lot at the moment is, you know, is, is the current growth sustainable? You know, what, what, what happens now? Are we going to see a correction or a crash? And I personally believe, you know, if, if you read on the 18-year property cycle, which is an 18-year cycle that has been going since the 1700s, you know, there's a consistent 18-year cycle. And if you're looking at that, the last sort of starting or reset of that cycle was, 2008 which gives us another four or five years of good growth and i believe with the supply and demand in the market that we are going to see sustained growth perhaps not at the same level but we will continue to see it i think i have to say i'm a little bit suspicious of the 18-year property cycle i i always feel it's a bit it's a bit like a blackjack system maybe and you've got so the data now is so much more complex and varied depending on which tranche of of property you're looking at, which region, and the 
millions of decisions that individuals are making, it's going to be very complex to look at, through the numbers to predict an 18-year property cycle if if such a thing was there. Sorry, I, th- I think that's a you know a, a valid point, and you also have you know the black swan events that that we've had, such as COVID. I mean, that's never happened. So does that derail the cycle? And you know, there's lots of other things to consider now for sure. But um, it's an interesting framework anyway because it does hold true all the way back to the dissolution of the monasteries. Okay, but Stuart, the point that Callum made there is about supply and demand, and that's really the the big issue in all of the small markets and big markets across the country? As far as um, supply and demand, it's a case of a lack of supply that's still ongoing and, and a too great a demand. And that is a lot of that is built on the fact that the, the government plans to build every year 300,000 new houses. Last year was actually one of the best years they had, and I think they built 190,000, whereas on average they're doing 150,000. So there just aren't enough new houses being built. And the houses that are out there, in many cases, you have people like baby boomers who are living in four or five bed houses and there's only two people. And they are taking up a lot of the housing stock that could be re reorientated to be used for people who are more needy than them. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, that's a quick look at the market in March. If you want to have a more detailed look, tune in to Stuart's Market Wraps, which come out weekly. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the spring budget statement in more detail. Thanks very much to Stuart. Thank you, Paul. And Callum. Thanks, Paul. For sharing their expertise today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the spring budget statement in more detail. Until then, my name is Paul Shearer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at The Art of Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.